Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 9, season 18. Some may call this episode the bridesmaid of the Absolute Rally season of season 18. The reason why is because, of course, this is our last conventional episode before we get to the ill-fated, and I say it's ill-fated because it probably will be, in all honesty, Christmas quiz, Christmas pub quiz with all the boys um so it is pretty much the bridesmaid and this week the only bridesmaids that we've actually got with us out of the boys um it's it's trevor agnew now i'll be honest with you trev i've got now an image of you in a bridesmaid dress which i didn't want in my head funnily enough but hello just, anyway just a posh one really hello yeah. how are you I'm, I'm all right as long as I, as long as i'm not the best man who inevitably <laughs> ends up with the bridesmaid i'm quite happy to stick with that description of you time to move on me thanks Yes, absolutely. Anyway, there you go. Um, we're all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Good man. Been busy, but uh, good to be back. Well, you know, we've missed you three weeks. Are you all? I've been busy. I've been busy on Google Translation. There you go. You've been busy on Google. Well, it's a good job you've been on Google Translation because we are going to no busier than busier, busier than, than Google Translation. Oh, sorry. I see what you did. I see what you did. Um, we're going to start with a Gary Boyd fact because we've not done one for a couple of weeks. Just, just put it out there. You, you, you can comment or not comment by all means. At Rally Trivia. Uh, he, he probably could have tweeted this by now, but uh, if you don't follow Gary Boyd, check him out because he's ace. Um, by finishing runner-up in the World Drivers' Championship for the fifth time, Thierry Nouvelle is now, it could be argued in brackets, the most successful driver in WRC history not to have won a driver's title. Carlos Sainz and Mika Herven have both finished second in the Drivers' Championship four times. Colin McRae, Yanni Matti Latvala and Petter Solberg all finished second in the Drivers' three times. There you go. Makes me feel old reading that. It is interesting, but and uh, clearly we admire Gary's facts, but who cares? He finished second. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you did. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, right? If it was me, I'd care because that means I'd be in the World Rally Championship. Well, the, the only, the only trophy the only trophy you'll find in my house is the runner's, runners-up trophy for the British Rally Championship, and I'm sitting looking at it now. If you ever need inspiration, that's the one to look at. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've not, uh, to be fair, all the stuff I've done, we didn't get a runners-up trophy. So, <laughs> <laughs> because we weren't runners-up most of the time, it has to be said. But anyway, it's there only, you go. It's the only thing I can do that I can inspire you to do inspire you to do a little bit better. Yeah, no, I'll have that. I'll have that. Um, um, some drivers wanting to do a little bit better, of course, in 2020. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hazard a guess will be Sebastian Ogier, of course. Um, uh, we've not really spoke, Trev, over the last few weeks. There's been quite a lot going on. Um, Citroen's withdrawal first. I wouldn't mind getting your take on this briefly before we move into, obviously, where, where Sebastian OJ's turned up. A surprise to you, Trev? Uh, not really surprised in the back of the comments that he's made over the last little while. And, you know, they, they always said that the budget was going to be tighter. They run two cars, so the manufacturer's championship wasn't important for them. Um for me, I just don't think the impact of this has been stressed enough. You know, you're losing the manufacturer. You're down to uh, six cars effectively funded by by manufacturers. Plus, uh, you know, clearly Ford have got some uh, funding with M Sport, but you wouldn't call it a full factory team. So it's just the implications of that. Uh, and then more so looking forward towards 2022, which I'll, I'll come back to a little bit later when hybrid regulations come in and. Uh, certainly, that's going to be part of my any other business. I'll hopefully come back to that one later. 
Okay, do you think, and, and, and I completely agree with you, uh, do you think perhaps the press release that Citroen Racing put out with regards to their departure and Sebastian OJ's departure from them, obviously we, we kind of, joking aside, we kind of had that kind of the, 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 the baddie from, from the Christmas panto kind of thing. Everyone went boo. And it almost deflected from the fact that we were losing a manufacturer by how that Press release went out, and again, you know, to be fair, they've had a little bit of form over press releases over the last eighteen months. It has to be said, and you have to wonder uh, who's formulated that one as well, because it wasn't great. And uh, again, I just think it deflected from the fact that we're losing a manufacturer. Here. Yeah, and um, yeah, you could understand sometimes if there's uh, maybe nuances and translation that get get misunderstood but clearly when the head of the organization is English uh, Linda Jackson's the CEO of Citroen you'd think that she would certainly have uh, have a look at the press release before it went out and she was quote, quoted on it as well so I imagine uh, that she would have a view on that uh, the fact that they blamed her on Ogier was a bit uh, crass and that, that was hard I think you know Um and as you say, they've got form, but there is one manufacturer less. And as I said, we've got a fantastic championship as regards uh, where the rallies are. And I see even there's some doubt over over Chile today. I come up on the website that because of the political unrest there. But even with that, if you look at the geographical spread of the championship, um, you just need to be careful heading to 22 uh, when we need these manufacturers to commit. And of course, everybody's only committed to 21 as regards drivers signed up, and, uh, and that's certainly not everybody, uh, we need to make sure those regulations uh, are being compiled and they're uh, cost-effective for manufacturers. You know, everybody raves about the 2017 cars, but clearly with the 800,000 euro cars, not everybody can see the value in that. Um, we just need to make sure that we get it right and we get the number of manufacturers that need to do it and... Uh, and that's the big thing, and everybody forgets about what manufacturers have to apply. You know, they have to comply with uh, real-term emissions. That uh, is a big strain in 2021. Uh, they have to get to 95 grams of CO2. That means a big push on electric and plug-in cars. Uh, and that means that they have to market those type of cars, and they have to do that then. And clearly, rallying is a perfect opportunity to have electrification, show the, valid, the validity, uh, the proven of the technology, uh, you've only to look at Formula E now. I think what are the nine manufacturers involved there? Uh, it's not the most, uh, I suppose, spectacular championship. But if you could get some of those manufacturers involved in rallying again with uh, really strong regulations, uh, and we've talked about this for a long, long time now, eighteen months probably, and I still don't see evidence uh, of anybody doing anything that uh, is going to attract these other manufacturers. I, I, you know, and and, and neither do I. I don't see, you know, obviously um, uh, the PSA group have made a, a, obviously the DS brand is in Formula E and, and obviously they've gone WR, w, um, WEC um, with the Peugeot brand as well. And, and I don't see any, I, I don't see any of those brands coming back. You know, I've said to you in the past, I wonder whether they'll start with a clean sheet of paper and, and come back as Peugeot. That, and, and that in my, in, in my mind's eye was, was almost perfect um, for them to to have an escape and, and and come back, you know, stronger and better and, and everything else. But you know, that's that doesn't look likely because as much as as, as much as it pains me to say it, 
from from a, a, a manufacturer point of view, my personal opinion is, and you know, I, I love the sport, I compete in it, I work in it. Um, it pains me to say it, it, you know, it doesn't do itself any favors when you compare it to racing and what racing gives from a marketing point of view. Um, even though we know how more more dynamic rallying can be, um, racing is is far easier. Um, for people to do the corporate thing and take people to and have guests and have dealers and all these other things. Now, while we all know that it's very nice when we take somebody to a rally that's been before and, and they're blown away, um, it, it, that takes a lot of it takes a lot more involvement than getting somebody to a circuit. And, you know, how how dynamic is F1 to watch? But you know, all all the races are, are rammed with VIPs and stuff like that, and all those VIPs are, are pretty much what we need to kind of tap into for them to want to see rallying. And I don't see that happening. Yeah, but there's a lot of people who go to Formula One. That it's very hard to compare that because it's the event, it's a social occasion, you know, and that's why people go, the noise and the spectacle, and you think of Monaco and you think of a place like that. It's completely different to standing in a wet, foggy forest in the middle I, of wheels. Listen, I, I, absolutely. I, I was speaking to somebody the other day, a very wealthy guy who is into his cars and everything else, and he was talking to me about rallying. And he said, I go with the F1. He said, not very often I watch the races, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. And, and I don't imagine that ever happening in rallying, but these are the guys that have got money, which is why um, F1, Formula E, you know, whatever it may be, GT racing, mm-hmm. it's a very, very easy sell mm-hmm. to get people involved financially, whether it's a sponsor, whether it's a manufacturer, because it's a, it's a, you know, the, the receipt for the spend, to use an, an analogy, is there for all to see. Rallying but, doesn't give that. Yeah, well, Formula E's, you know, I've already said it's not the most exciting championship, but it's coming to London uh, next year in the middle of July or towards the end of July to the XL Arena where the pits are going to be, you know, the grandstand's going to be inside in, in the XL uh, Arena and the race is going to be inside and outside. And I'll definitely be going to that just really uh, from a curiosity point of view to go and see it. And there'll be a lot of other people like that. And, uh, and that's the thing that I think it's, it's, it's the attraction for that. It's just something that's a bit different in the centre of London. Uh, and, and it's a spectacle, and I want to go, I'm curious. And that's, that's, that curiosity is the bit we need to build up. And if we can get, and certainly with Formula E in the past, you look at the New York events, we've got lots of celebrities there. Uh, for the same reason, manufacturers understand the benefits from a social media point of view, getting those people attracted to it. And, uh, and of course, we could do a little bit more uh, around that in rallying. You don't see as much of those celebrities coming to, to rallies where they'd absolutely love it. You know, they're helicoptered into the day and got a spin in the passenger seat. And we've seen that happen sometimes at Shakedown. But if you get the right people with the right social media following, that's where we need to be aiming for. And the people who are creative can get that, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, listen, uh, I, I want it to happen. Um, I just... Uh, you know, I, I, like you, I talk to people all the time, both rally racing and business and, 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 and everything else. And I just don't see how the next set of regulations cannot be um, more R5 based, being, being frank. Yeah, it's got to be R5 based. That's sort of cost. It's got to be value for money for manufacturers to come to, including importers, you know, to have uh, the same type of cars for regional championships as well. Uh and clearly needs to be uh, a different group of people than the ones who decided that 2017 cars were a great idea uh, to attract more manufacturers. And we've actually 
you know, I, I, I understand you do four manufacturers with brand new cars, and it was very exciting, but it didn't entice anybody else into the sport, is my point. Hmm. Well, we'll I, talk about Toyota later on, because that's a specific case. Well, I th- and that's kind of where I want to go, probably to, the, the, to, to, to move on to what's, what's happened, of course, this domino effect of, of, of Citroën departing. Um, the announcement came yesterday. We recorded this on the Thursday that... Um, and this is the reason why we are recording on a Thursday, folks, is because we wanted to see how Wednesday's announcement was going to go. Uh, not that it was any surprise, Trev. Um, we have the Toyota lineup. Some may say the, the perfect lineup um, now with, uh, you know, a, a multiple world champion, uh, his chosen teammate from their time at M Sport. And obviously the, the young hotshot and, you know, um, it's it, it's all there. I genuinely didn't feel it was going to be this much of a clean sheet of paper for 2020 for, for, for Tommy Mackinnon and for Toyota, to be honest. It's quite interesting as well that there's no retained driver. So there's nobody there who drove for the team last year. I imagine Yari Matty would be about this is the only thing. Uh, I don't imagine he's gone, gone. Uh, I reckon that he'd be able to find budget in Finland to run some events in the Toyota. Um, I'd be surprised if that isn't announced very soon. Uh, I can see that definitely happening. So there'd be a bit of continuity there. Uh, I know certainly the Japanese love the Arimati and there's a great story, which I'll come back to later on about Akio Toyota. And, uh, but yeah, it, it's strange, isn't it? That there's a complete new, uh, clean sheet, as you say. Uh, oh yeah, clearly, you know, the, the thing about that car is apart from the last time he drove it, uh, everybody gets into it, finds it quite easy to drive to get up to speed with it really quickly. Uh, Monte Carlo is clearly a bit of an anomaly. It's uh, a unique event, and he's clearly very good at it. He's won it multiple times. Sweden, of course, they're going to have a load of seat time uh, and testing from the popular base. Be perfect in Sweden. Watch Rovan Perico. Uh, definitely try and put some money on him to win Sweden, especially as I think of saw he's doing the Arctic Rally before. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of rubbish talked about Rovan Power and how long it's going to take him, why they should have put him in a fourth car. He'll go out and he'll, he'll, he'll go really quick in that car and he'll settle in really quickly. Just, people forget how long he's been driving. There's no pressure on him that I see. And people are saying, well, he's a manufacturer driver. Of course he is, but he, he's seen, you know, apart from the first year, a couple of years in WRC2, he, uh, he's, he's clearly can, can handle the pressure. Um, and I think it clear, the, the, the big challenge, of course, is Hyundai. You look at their team and it's so strong. Um, but again, managing those drivers with Tannock and, and Neville, it's going to be a challenge for Adamo. Can I, can I put this out there? Um, if, if again, we're going to play fantasy manager, but we're going to, we're going to change the whole, not just one driver, the whole thing. Was you going to be heading up Toyota or Hyundai in 2020? That's a great question. Um, I'd be happy in either role, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> no, come on, put them on the no, table. No, I, I, I'm just about to say, uh, if you go about it the right way and you're transparent and you get everybody working together as a team, and I don't see so much of that in the World Championship. Clearly, M Sport have got a really good team, well bonded together. There have been issues with Hyundai in the past, and there's certainly issues in the in the TMR to the Gazi racing as regards everybody singing off the him same same hymn sheet and uh, just this cohesive team moving forward. Um I think 
uh, and <laughs> Adamo hasn't taken many prisoners. And it's not the way that I would have done it, but clearly it works and won the title. Um, the fourth driver, you know, in gravel events especially, or, or sorry, uh, uh, another driver coming in with a uh, favorable road position worked really well for Hyundai. I'd be surprised if Toyota don't empl- uh, employ that as well. Um, at the minute, uh, you clearly want uh, the world champion. That's just six times world champion. I would go for Toyota with Elvin alongside him and Robin Power. That would be the easier to manage, I thought. Um, uh, I, I want to talk about this because it's been massively, um, massively kind of being regurgitated around social media. And you made you made reference to the fact of Google Translate right at the top of this, uh, and it all kind of connects. Obviously, this this interview um, with uh, he doesn't like to be called. Um, Oitanak's manager he, he is an advisor and I know Marco's work with, with Oit going all the way back to Super 2000 days because I work with the Super 2000 team to be honest with Triple M so um, but this piece has come out um, with regards to obviously the the dealings and the you know, the latter half of the last uh, of this season and you know things that maybe have gone on um, a little bit further back and, and Marco um, Marco didn't pull any punches and I'm sure people have, have read this now so it's not like we're telling tales out of school or whatever it's it's all there in writing Trev and I think we, you and I have both spoke about it before we started doing the podcast we we were equally um, shocked to think to see something like this come out yeah something or some somebody clearly riled him and got him very upset to the point where uh, it's unusual for Marco Martin to speak in the media, even in the Estonian media, uh, he doesn't do a lot of that. Uh, I've known Marco for many years, and I've never uh, really seen that side of him. Um, I'm hoping it was an impulsive thing and something they regret in time, but he certainly needed to get something off his chest, and clearly it was in the back of some of the uh, reports in the Finnish media, particularly around, I think, Timo Yaki, which he mentions, and there were a couple of articles where, let's say, Yaki questioned the way that they went about their business and negotiating the contract for TANEC uh, for 2020 and beyond. And uh, I think there's a bit of that just build up, build up. And uh, some of the things that he clearly uh, took umbrage to and didn't see it, they're actually factual. Of course, we have to be careful with what gets lost in translation. There's two sides to every story, but... Uh, the bottom line is uh, it doesn't seem as if uh, Toyota were expecting Tanak to go to uh, to go to Hyundai, and there might be something around the fact that Adamo at one point said, "No, negotiations are finished." That might have made Toyota and TMR relax, and uh, on the back of that, then um, maybe took their eye off the ball, and and that's where. The grievance come in from their camp and then uh, things were said in the Finnish media and Marco clearly felt that he needed to address that in what was an absolutely riveting read just because um, of some of the details that were mentioned in there. Um, but again, you know, you, we have to be careful that it's only one side of the story, even though if you if you do look on the Finnish media, you'll be able to see some of what Yaki said and that's been translated. So, uh where he said in 35 years of um, managing drivers, and he's certainly very experienced at that, he, uh, he never saw a negotiation like this, and he, let's say he wasn't best pleased with it. Um, you see, I, I've, I've, read, I've read a few different things, and I, this is just my kind of take on it to some degree. 
quickly, how far back do you think that Toyota started talking to Sebastian Ogier? Um, I clearly would only be guessing. I have no clue. Um, absolutely no I clue. I just wonder whether this, whether there's been an element of this of, you know, once the season got underway and it was clear that I think Germany was obviously a key event for regards to Sebastian Ogier and his, some of his frustrations. I just wonder, did they start talking to Ogier then and thought, well, if we've got Ogier, we don't need Tanak maybe because, you know, there's been various things about, you know, uh, unhappiness in the camp and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe they'd already kind of planned for his departure. No, my reading would be the opposite. My reading would be that they thought they had Tanak right the way okay. through. That's when they lost Tanak, then they were, they were clearly panicking. And uh, and that's when they approached Ogier. It's certainly the way I... Everything reads. That's that's the way it is for me, and that's why the anger was there from uh, from Mackinnon's side. Mm. I just I, I I just would be fascinated to know when that initial kind of first contact was made by by by, by Toyota Gazoo to to Sebastian Ogier. You know, I, I I don't honestly believe for a second that. No, you know, I'm not going to go there because it could be libelous. Uh, let's put it there. <laughs> <laughs> it might come out in about five years and all the yeah. non-disclosure agreements expire. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a very good place to go. Um, but Trev, before we get to, because as ever, we, you know, our chats tend to, t- t- tend to overrun a little bit and this one has as well. Before we get to anywhere near, uh, any other business and stuff like that, because I've got various bits and pieces. I know you, you want to go into something. Um, uh, very classy M Sports, um, Social media with regards to Elvin's departure, you know, um, Elvin will be forever. You know, I don't think there's many other drivers that will have the association that he's had with M Sport. I don't think, I don't believe we'll see the likes again, to be honest with you. Um, cause I remember Elvin, you know, um, doing the ST championship originally. Um, and, you know, working his way up and winning prize drives and stuff like that. And, and obviously then going into the juniors and stuff. I, I don't think we'll ever see this again. I don't think we'll see the likes of it, how Elvin did it and how it was funded and everything like that again. Um, and um, there's been respect all around. You know, I've seen various versions of this is how you do it. This is how you do a press release of when a driver leaves you towards Citroen and things like that. And of course we have covered that. So we're not going to cover all ground, but um, yeah. Um, Elvin leaving M sport. Um, I was and I wasn't surprised because I think, I think, I think probably he was ready and I think probably he needed to do it to, to just really see whether he can take that next step. You know, he got one WRC win and he obviously wants more and I'm sure he probably would have got it at M Sport, but equally, um, the fresh challenge working with new people and certainly some old people as well from M Sport who, who, who've rocked up at Toyota. Um, you know, I, I think he was ready for it. Yep, and people are saying this is the opportunity he's been waiting for, which is a bit unfair to M Sport because uh, they've certainly uh, guided him through, and, and the investment that's been made in Elvin, uh, which I'm sure he'll have to pay back from a commercial point of view, which is fair. Um, but to have a two-year contract in his back pocket, to have the amount of testing that Toyota will give him on roads close to their base, where they're allowed to test as much as they like. So the seat time in the car to get him ready in a car that, you know, seems to be the fastest car, certainly was proven with Tannock driving it, um, is fantastic for both him and for Scott Martin as well. 
And certainly when we start to talk about drivers getting opportunities, it's the co-drivers that will and won't. You know, I have to think about the, the flip side of that as well. You've got making that fella. Of course, you've missed out Toyota, but you've also got their co-drivers in particular, Seb Marshall, who is just an absolutely top bloke. And I have no doubts that he'll find himself back in a car very soon or back in the team very soon with Chris. Uh, but uh, just Elvin in a two-year deal is just brilliant, absolutely fantastic for British motorsport in particular. And uh, he definitely be a, a brilliant teammate to Ozier. He's proved that in the past and as you rightly pointed out at the start it sounds like it was Ozier's choice of a teammate as well which is, will give him loads of confidence uh, when when he knows that he's working together with a six-time champion again with that amount of respect and it's brilliant to see. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we we briefly need to touch upon I suppose we've now got you know Tina Sunnan we know he's going to be um, um, with M Sport next year, I think Gus Greensmith has got a limited program. As far as I'm aware, I've not spoke to Gus for a while. I'm not really sure what he's up to, but potentially there's there's, there's a couple of seats available at M Sport. There's obviously there's one available for at least one gravel event at, at High and I. Um, oh, <laughs> Assumption makes an ass out of you and me. Are we are we safe to assume that perhaps Craig Breen will 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 stick around with High and I? Um, because he's got obviously the R5 situation going on there as well, and obviously, you know, I said this to—I think I said this to Jack the other week and, and to Ryan. You know, I can't see much beyond 2020 for, for for Sebastian Loeb. So, is it a case of Craig playing the waiting game, really? He could do. He could go back and do some more rallies in Ireland to keep fit in between that R5 program. Uh, it makes sense to keep the relationship with the manufacturer that, you know, in, in fairness, he did a real good job for him uh, this year, apart from his indiscretion in Rally GB, but, you know, the rest of the time, they seem quite happy with him. Um, it makes sense for that to happen. As regards who goes to M Sport, you know, on the back of Gus's programme, we don't know how big that'll be, but I assume that Lappy will have money from Citroen because he's contracted, I think, for 21, wasn't he? Or sorry, yeah. for 20. Yep. So he'll have money that he might be able to spend with M-Sport uh, if it comes to that. Of course, the Finnish side of things, they can usually attract sponsors as well. He'll be working on a deal to, to get that seat out of thought as well. Uh, and, of course, we'll go back to Yari Matty. Uh, I imagine it'll be a Toyota program part-time, a few rallies for him, and he might dovetail that with uh, testing work. But, you know, who's to say that Yari Matty couldn't come up with money to go and, and run a full program or... Uh, certainly, a, a big, bigger program afford, but we don't know. Yeah, it's it's you know it's inter- it is it is interesting times, and and you know obviously there's no secret behind the fact that you know M Sport is 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 commercial, and you know they will have to find partners. I think the only downside, well, not the only, the only downside, the downside to some degree for what I've seen, obviously with. Um, with what happened with Citroen, of course, Sebastian Ogier going to Toyota, is that Toyota is very, very well funded as well. We know they've got some good commercial partners. And, of course, you would probably think that the Red Bull connection will transfer across into Toyota as well. And it just seems to be they're going to be a heavily funded team because they've got great commercial partners and they've got great funding that's coming in, obviously, from the, as a manufacturer anyway. And it, it just seems a shame that perhaps that Red Bull budget couldn't go somewhere else. Yeah, well, all three drivers are Red Bull drivers. Um, Toyota and uh, Tommy Mack and Racing, Gazoo Racing, whatever it's called, and they've always had plenty of budget. So, 
Um, yeah, I, I get your point, uh, but that's, that's the way it is at the minute. It's certainly Red Bull full of drivers, that team. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Anyway, uh, Trev, um, we could go on and on and on, but we need to get through any other businesses. Um, I'll very, very quickly do mine. Um, well done to Marty McCormick, RAC rally last week. It looked epic, Trev. I don't know whether you were up to speed with it at all. Five days, proper rally. Um, every set of circumstances. Uh, I text Marty. I spoke to Greg, his brother yesterday and Dommy. Tommy Buckley, who runs runs various programs for, for for Marty, and just just talking to those guys about it, um, just epic. And the pace at the front, um, there's plenty of people who do that rally as a, as a bucket list event. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the sh- the real sharp end of that event, I think those guys could have been in anything, Trev, and it would have been fast. If you get me meaning, just amazing. It, it definitely brings you back, and I, I'm just gutted because I wasn't able to make it. Um, it'll have to be. In my diary, a lot earlier for twenty twenty one. Uh, not when they're on again, two years. Yeah, uh, you've got to go and watch that rally. I think it's it's a bit of a bucket list thing to go and do it. Listen to BDS through the forest, even at night, that can be amazing. And for Marty to win it three times now uh, is quite remarkable that you're able to finish a rally that long, uh, run at that pace over thirty some odd stages, and you know with. Pritchard with Jason Pritchard, there was a big fight at the front, which uh, went more or less down to the last day. Um, a couple of them, both had small issues, nothing too major, I think. And uh, but yeah, a real big fight, and I think they were they were well ahead of the opposition. But yeah, what a what a cracking event it is. Fair play, Jason Pritchard's off to Killarney this weekend as well through the historic events. So we know, obviously, I've seen some great pictures of uh, the car that Craig Green's going to be using as well on that event, the Viking Motorsport um, car. And, um, yeah, there's some great names doing that. That's going to be uh, – that, that's just a, a classic within itself, isn't it, Trev de Kalani? Again, just uh, an event that if you haven't gone to, go and have a look at it. It'd be amazing. Cheap to get to probably, cheap to stay in Killarney, I'd imagine. I see Dan Bart's going over as well. So yeah. uh, he's bringing a few mates, uh, a few pints of Guinness, no doubt. Uh, yeah, another cracking event, and uh, there's loads of them. That's the problem. You need to pick one. Monte Carlo is going to be good next year as well. You've been there. It's not the most there. expensive rally to go to, is it? No, it's not. If it's you stay not. in Nice and, and do it right. Yeah, no, no, no. It was it, it was mega when we went. I'd love to go back again. Just hard with a toddler. I'll be honest with you. Just hard with a toddler yeah. now. But um, yeah. last bit of any other business, um, because it won't feature in 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 the Christmas one, because obviously we won't be doing that type of stuff. But um, just uh, just a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a fact. Ollie, Ollie Mellors has been out in the MEN Proton, and there's a f- nice feature this week that by Luke Berry, who I know listens to the podcast. Hello, Luke. Uh, you wrote a great piece with regards to obviously Ollie trying to win um, another event in the Proton. Um, they're going through the mill. They're still fighting to get something going. Um, I know they're still hopeful for, for for 2020 as well, the team and everything else. So it's just again, you talk about. Small teams in in World Championship, geez, you don't get much smaller than Mellors Elliott Motorsports. To be perfectly honest, and what they've done mm-hmm. to get the car to where it is now is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and it's a great little package. And I genuinely hope they get something going to do something on a far bigger scale because I know everybody who's tested the car has said really, really great things. And some of some of them we know, and some of them we're not allowed to mention, but. They've all said great things, so hopefully they'll get something going there. But anyway, um, Trevor Agnew, um, the floor is yours for your any other business. Okay, I'll take you back to February 2014. Uh, I was asked to help out on a Toyota event. It was for European dealers, a two-day event, 
but it was huge. It was a like, massive budget for this. It was big production, so we were out there a week to practice for a two-day event. And uh, it culminated really in the chairman of Toyota, which at the time was the sixth biggest company in the world. Uh, so Akio Toyota was coming in at the end of it uh, in his rally car, uh, which was really interesting for me for a start. But during the week, uh, I was sat in one of the pre-production runs and there's a video come up that played for about 10 minutes on the big screen, just testing all the equipment. And it was Akutoda talking about his love of rallying. And in his office, all the trophies and uh, just really passionate about rallying, came across as just this real rally. Not, and then it transpires that his car was outside his rally car alongside the uh, World Endurance car, uh, the, the sports car, Dan Davison was driving in in front of him to culminate, you know, to, to climax the event. So I was wondering, why is that there? And I started to ask a few questions. And it became apparent what was going to happen, which was uh, fascinating. So anyway, the end of the show, I was the stage manager, and uh, the end of the show was the running of that 10-minute video as an introduction before Hakil Toyota drove his rally car onto the runway, onto the stage, and then got out, and everybody went nuts, clearly, he was racing overalls. But in the build-up to that, 10 minutes before, nobody else was allowed backstage because of security. Uh, so I had the opportunity to sit in the car with Akutoda on the back of me, understand his love for rallying, and have a conversation with him. That was just absolutely brilliant. Any Anybody that's met him, anybody that's talking about him, just explain how such a genuine guy he is. And he was. We started talking about rallying, and I explained that I did a bit, and talked about uh, Toshi Arai. And then he told me that he had been having some lessons from Tommy Mackinnon. And Tommy Mackinnon suggested that he should build him a four-wheel drive rally car because he needs more experience that way. So he said, yeah, Mr. Mackinnon's built me a car. I said, fantastic. So you're still interested in rallying? He said, I love rallying. And uh, I said, well, are you coming back then? He says, we don't have a car. He says, we don't have a car to come back. This is February 2014. He says, the rules change for 2017. It involves hybrid or some sort of technology like that, then we'll definitely look at it. But at this point, we won't, we won't come back. So that was interesting. Then he went on stage, and part of what he did then when he uh, went out on stage, he got five people around the arena to look under their seats. And those five people he took out later that afternoon to teach them how to drift a rally car. <laughs> this, nice. is chairman, this is the chairman of Toyota. So absolutely brilliant to see his enthusiasm and all of that. So... Fascinated then to find that he was going to Finland later that year. Uh, and he went to Rally Finland. And the story came out um, as part of the reveal and the thanks for Yari Matti's contribution to the team, where he met him in the hotel, the service park. And Yari Matti, clearly driving for Volkswagen at the time, saw his from Toyota and started talking about his Celica and his Corolla and just made a big impression on Akio Toyota, which he linked back this week to the decisions to why they come back to rallying again. And it's just fascinating that between February and August, where February said, no, nope, not coming back, don't have the car, to the way he was received in Finland, Tommy drove him through the stage in the four-wheel drive uh, uh, GT86, and just when he saw Owen and Poya and all the, that whole excitement around the rallying, and he thought, we'll, we'll go back and go rallying again. And, and that's how it all started. 
And it's just interesting for me this week to see the Yari Matty contribution towards that as well. And the love for Yari Matty then that everybody talks about, you can see as well uh, how that came about, which for me means that I think he'll definitely have some sort of a program going forward in 2020 with Toyota. Are you trying to lay claims to Toyota coming back as well? No, not at all. Not at all. I just, I just, what I found fascinating was in, in February, he said absolutely not. And then on the back of Tommy Mackinnon building a four-wheel drive rally car so he could practice four-wheel drive and going to Finland and showing him around Finland on the back of that, that was the key that made the difference, really. Mega. Mega. And to have, to have somebody at the height of uh, business, like as I said at the time, the sixth biggest company in the world, forget about automotive manufacturers, uh, but if somebody that excited about rallying, which he clearly is, um, and that's the key, that Toyota, that's the reason Toyota are rallying. Uh, Hyundai have a different uh, approach, clearly. They, they want to win the manufacturers. They've done that now. And uh, we don't have any other manufacturers at the minute, apart from Ford's involvement with M-Sport, which clearly is manufacturer back, but not in the true sense of a manufacturer team. So wouldn't it be great if we got a load more, three or four more proper manufacturers back in for 2022. I'll link back to that. If we can make it affordable, we've got a fantastic championship. It travels the world now. The dates and the way the promoter's done that, brilliant. If we could just make it really value for money for other manufacturers to come in and show their wares and show people that the technology that they're using in sport is technology that they can promote on cars. And it helps them achieve their goals from a CO2 point of view. Uh, if we can link all of that together, then the sport truly will then be in a fantastic position. And I hope that happens. I couldn't echo it anymore myself, Trev. Um, believe it or not, that is the end of our our section. You've now got you've got a, an amazing amount of time to get ready for the, the Christmas pub quiz, Trev. Um, obviously, you've asked for a very specialist um uh, set of questions which we need to write up for you on Dutch hill climbing so um, yeah. be careful what you wish for well yeah good luck with finding them <laughs> god bless google that's all I'll say god bless google uh, so yeah so we got a week off and then uh, by week's time hopefully um, Ryan Champion will be back from his travels uh, Jack Benyon won't be in a circuit as he is this week he would have been joining us, but uh, unfortunately, I couldn't quite get it to line up with the times as ever. It is like herding cats. But what we have got coming up later in the podcast, we've got Matt Edwards going to join us after the break. He's talked about his epic back-to-back BRC winning titles uh, and also Rally GB and various other things that he's been working on. And then we've got uh, something which has been a little bit of gathering pace on social media, um, Rally Insight Yearbook, uh, kind of a coffee table um, type thing, which uh, a guy called Adam Hall, who... Uh, who who Jack knows. He kind of went through the, the autosport thing and I'll, he'll tell the tale far better than me, but uh, him and some, some, some pals of his have got together and they're producing a book, which is, um, which is going to be ideal for Christmas. Let's put it that way. And uh, I'm just glad Trev, to see books again, rally books, rally oh, yeah. books, not, not all just on in, online. Anyway, I like to have something in my hand. Insert your own joke there. Right. Um, folks, we will be back after this break. Trev, thank you so much, mate. And uh, we'll catch up with you for the Christmas quiz in a couple of weeks time. Looking forward to it. Cheers, Tony. Cheers. <laughs> right, folks, we'll be back after this break. This is Absolute Rally. 
Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. Thanks to the boys at the top. Obviously, we're, we're starting to relax into the podcast now. Um, and somebody we've had on throughout the year. Um, we should have had them on probably a little bit sooner. This is my bad. So I'm going to apologise first and foremost. Matt Edwards, sorry we've not had you back. Twice British Rally Champion. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks very much. I'll let you off this one. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> mate. Thanks, mate. Well, it's not through lack of effort, to be fair. It's not through lack of effort. We, we have tried. We just haven't quite got, <laughs> no, got no. things lined up, as it were. Got things lined up. Um, listen, we bumped into each other um, at an event I, I didn't think I was going to see you at this year. Before we go into your season, you were doing the opening round of the, the, the circuit championship over in the UK, which is a kind of really popular... Um, it's it's kind of like fills a gap in the season when the seasons have finished elsewhere doesn't it and uh, it was the opening round of the Motorsport News Circuit Championship at Alton Park and um, yeah uh, it, it wasn't quite the result you wanted because obviously I think a broken manifold I would think it was listed yeah. <laughs> um, although some people made it out to be a little bit more than that um, yeah. I was slightly confused by that because I was there but anyway um, <laughs> but um, I'm not just saying this but one I was shocked to see you there two and I mean, it's with the greatest respect to everybody else I seen when I was watching. There was clearly a difference in what a British Rally champion drives like to what some other people drive like. Did it feel like that? No, I just I just went out and you know I had a we had a bit of a remit of what we needed to try and sort of do and you know get some feedback on some new new bits on the car and uh, you know it, it was it, it was a challenge. You know, there's no denying it was a challenge. You know to you know, you know, driving without without notes for a start on unknown. You know, you're not never totally sure how the stage is set up. You know, one run to the next. You know, tyres moving, chicanes, and there's a lot more. You know, a lot of variables that you don't really consider at the time until you until you're in the middle of it. But um, no, I really enjoyed it, and um, you know, it, it was you know to drive on. A, you know, I'd never driven really on a race other than GB. And I think Croft on the RAC, so that you know that was interesting as well, and uh, trying different tyres and and things. So I, I really really enjoyed it. You know, it was a you know, proper challenge, proper event. Um, and you know Frank Bird is going well in the focus as well, and we both had problems, but no, it was good. Really enjoyed it. Well, you mentioned I don't know whether this was part of your plan uh, at the beginning of the year, but if I can just come back a little bit because um it's fair to say over the last couple of years of course you know since you made the, the, the move to r5 we've, we've not really seen you in much else other than a fiesta r5 i think it was a fleeting appearance as a co-driver up in scotland in john yeah. winks high and i r5 um but to see you on rally gb in a high and i raised a couple of eyebrows um <laughs> how did how that because obviously you've got such, this, such good relationship with m sport we know that and you know you were openly encouraged to go and take this drive how did that come about? What was the differences, and what was it like to work with a whole new team all over again? Uh, it was it was the biggest challenge I've had in uh, as long as I can remember to put that together. Um, it all started in Ulster because obviously we had a really good close battle with Craig Breen, which was a bit quite flattery. So um, certain conversations started happening there, and there was there was some support available from High and I to go and do it at the time 
there was a car available with Melvin Evans, um, which was the, you know, to be fair, Melvin probably instigated the whole thing. Um, and put me in touch with the Hyundai customer racing and this, that and the other. Um, but then the BRC came along and snaffled that car for Josh McElaine, which put a spanner in the works when I was kind of halfway there, budget-wise. And then, then, there wasn't, then we had to find another car, and that's where Phil Case came in. And, and Phil has been absolutely awesome. You know, he he absolutely knew where I was coming from. You know, every hundred quid mattered in putting that budget together, uh, which was still sorting out now because to be fair he said I just want it to happen I want to run both of you guys in the in the same team I think it'd be great you know publicity for everybody it'd be a great you know just a great story really um, so he said I don't really care what what the outcome is I just want to do it and I said right okay well as long as you know that you have not got you know a huge budget to do it and he said no we'll work it out and we'll just we'll make it all happen make everybody you know so everybody's happy and you know we dragged in a lot you know a completely new set of sponsors. There's no Swift involvement. You know, Peter Smith wasn't involved, uh, and just put it all together. Myself and Mark Lannister, we just worked tirelessly from Ulster. To, you know, to the day of the rally, there was still stuff going on, sorting out this, that, and the other. You know, and you know, it took a lot out of me to be honest. And you know, I'd not done a rally with that much sort of activity going on in the background for a long time um, so ultimately I was really pleased just to get there and really wanted to do the rally really really happy with the times we put in particularly on Saturday you know we didn't touch the car Phil and his engineer put a, a setup together on paper based on looking at some in-car from the Fiesta and just some general conversation and I just drove it I said, there's no point messing around with setup when I'm not even at the limit of the car so I just used Saturday to get some familiarity with the car and, and then did a little tried a few little things Sunday but it, you know it, it was very tough and you know it, just putting that together took a lot out of me like I say and uh, but you know ultimately some made some good friends some good contacts and you know ultimately it's just more strings to the bow really you see I I, I, I know I, did, I know Matt 2.0 I know Matt Okay. Now Matt 2.0 is 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 the guy that probably everybody now recognizes as twice British Rally Champion, heavily, you know, heavily supported by Swift over the last few years, Pete Smith, um doing various things. Now the original Matt, who I remember starting off in an Astra and uh then the MG and stuff like that was the the um, I'm going to say this because I think I, I, I know you well enough to say this, and you will take enough offence, but not complete offence, um, of the annoying wasp that just wouldn't go away, who kept at it, and always managed to put something together. And you know there was uh, you know there, there was always an admiration for that, to be honest with you, because you know anybody that can keep going and keep doing it and keep pulling bits in you know i i did it 20 years ago so i get it you know yeah. what i mean we I come from similar backgrounds and you know as you just said at the top there every hundred quid counts you know i've never had to raise budget for an r5 car but um yeah. so you know you've had the you know dare i say you've had the luxury of having a major sponsor over the last couple of years yeah. um which allows you to, to concentrate on your driving uh, but then you had this situation where you have to go out and, and scrape bits and pieces in, and as you say, you, you, you have pressure to, 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 to do that yeah. as well. But yet you still, you know, the times were, were, were really strong, considering the first time yeah. in the car and everything else. And again, I'm not just saying this because I'm speaking to you, you know, I'm just being dead honest. What map performs better 
Do you see my point? I don't think there is a difference in the car. Okay. Because ultimately, even with the you know, Swift and the, the support that we've had from M Sport and everything, the underlying mat is still scraping around to make it happen. You know, being self-employed, you end up spending a lot of time away from work rallying, which involves spending money. I still have to take a <laughs> certainly a disproportionate amount of money to what I earn to do the the the, the, you know, the M Sport Swift thing the last couple of years, and it still feels. It's never felt any different, really, from the Astro days all the way through, because I'm still trying to find more money to do it than I can afford. Yeah. So it's always 100% all in, more than I should be putting in, but just the level has gone up and up and up. So you're just trying to find more money. It's still disproportionate to what you can afford, but the passion is still there. So when the GB thing all kicked off, it was just like, you know, I had to not remember how to beg, steal, and borrow, but it was just it was it was just really intense three weeks trying to make it all happen. And but I didn't for one minute think is it the right thing or the wrong thing to do. It was just well, it's clearly the right thing to do because there's support there to do it, and you don't get support from a manufacturer, you know, financial support to do a rally, very you know at all. So to there was no question that I had to make that happen because that support was available when it may not be ever again. So it just a de- default setting, you know, say yes and work it out after, really. Yeah. And that, you know, uh, but ultimately in the car, there is no difference. The only slight difference was I had a 15 grand access around my neck on GB. <laughs> and that that is, you know, is a bit of a factor, but I always feel fairly in control of my own sort of... Um, not aggression, but my my own destiny, if you like. I know where the middle pedal is, and I use it. You know, my, my driving style throughout the last fifteen years has always been, well, I can't afford to break it, so yeah. drive accordingly, and that has been the same. You know, sponsored or unsponsored or, or whatever. So, actually, it doesn't make a lot of difference to my driving style what the background situation is, really. And I think almost that's the key to the success is basically not going beyond your level and, and bringing it home as often, you know, hopefully as often as you can. Going into this, you mentioned, obviously, we know Philip Case listens and, and Philip will, Philip reluctantly said he will come on the podcast at some point, to be honest with you, because he, he does messages yeah. quite a bit as well. So, yeah. uh, yeah. so in this instance, Phil, we decided to get Matt. I'm sure you'll appreciate it. Um, well, he's had but, a good plug, hasn't he? So, yeah, he's, 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 done, he's, he's done well, to be fair. There you go, Phil. You can, you can shop this bit, put it in your, on your website or something. Um, but anyway, where, where I was going with this, Matt, he mentioned about, obviously, having both you and Tom Cave in, in the same team. Now, you and Tom have had this, this hammer and tongue uh, <laughs> battle in BRC this year, which... Again, I, I, and again, I'd probably say the same to Tom. I've not spoke to Tom for a while, but I've, I've known you both for long enough to kind of have this conversation with you. Where again, I don't feel it's been done justice, and I don't know whether it's coverage or what. But um, I just don't feel that you and Tom have had the credit that you probably deserve for, for the battle you'd had this year. Uh, yes, and that, I mean. It, it, it's by no means personal, but it was a it was a high you know quite a high intensity thing, certainly within the championship. But you know the, the thing that's important for me that everybody sees is how that pace translates to 
you know, to GB. You know, Tom setting, you know, where he finished on GB above WR, you know, all the WRC2 runners. Just puts, to me, just tells you that BRC is still a place to come and to come and learn. And obviously, you know, if, the pace probably puts some people off, if you like, but if you want to progress, you know, you don't have to sidestep BRC to get into Europe to, to actually develop a pace that that would, you know, see you well in Europe. And, you know, it, 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 we both did really well in Ireland, both visits, uh, you know, and that's a very specialist area. Belgium, we're both in, you know, top, top, top three times at times in Belgium. So, you know, I just don't understand why there isn't the interest in doing the British Championship when, you know, there's some great events still and, you know, the competition, you know, you only need two cars to have a race at the end of the day. I know there's not 15 R5s on every round fighting for it, but you only need two to keep pushing each other. And, you know, like when Elvin did it a couple of years ago, it just drags everybody along. And, you know, if you want to go into Europe and go further in the sport, then you've got when you've got the BRC on your doorstep that is achieving that pace, then why not go and do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've mentioned the fact now that you are a double British champion and, and I guess, you know, the, the obvious question which everybody is kind of going, well, well what happens next, Matt? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, knew, I knew the answer, but I know the <laughs> listeners probably want to know it as well. Um, so, it's, you know, it's difficult. It, it's been difficult all the time and it, it, I don't think it, it's going to get any easier but you know unfortunately you know the, the, the Swift um, association is still ongoing but isn't in the in the, the the form it has been so we're looking you know how we can continue in a, in a bit of a different form if you like um, so you know that relationship's been fantastic and it's you know it's still bearing fruit for me um, you know but these good these good things don't last forever, but um, you know it's given me a massive opportunity that we I don't think could have gone any better at all. Um, but yes, I would love to go and do a third British Championship, which hasn't been done before. But you know what other opportunities are out there? I don't know. It's, you know it's difficult to to raise money to go into WRC two or ERC or whatever. But you know I hope there are more challenges out there to. Um, you know, to to go into something else, but you know, that all depends on on finances, really. Do you think what what's going on? You just mentioned, of course, you know, the times that you did on on, on Rally GP, of course, what what Tom did and where he finished, and you know, it, it's hard not to mention, of course, what what, what Chris Ingram's just done in ERC. Do, do you think we're getting back to a level again where perhaps you know other parts of the world are looking at UK drivers once again and going, oh, hang on a minute. This, you know, this might be quite a good play. You know, like what you've just been saying there. Okay, it's a long yeah. time since Chris has done BRC, but obviously, you, you know, you've been there. Tom's been there. You know, Keith Cronin's been there. You know, various other drivers over the last few years as well. Do you think, you know, the flag flying that perhaps has gone on on GB and what, what Chris has done with with with, with ERC as well? Do you think, it, you know, other other parts of the world may go actually? Do you know that could be a cheaper alternative than trying to do? ERC or um, it's certainly WRC2 which is telephone numbers I know it is um, yeah. you know it, it, do, you, do you think what you guys have done over this this last 12-18 months you know collectively has brought maybe a f- fresh pair of eyes from, from elsewhere in the world to, 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 to maybe give us a bit more credibility okay. in, the, in the sport you'd hope so 
I mean, there's, there's no reason why not. Again, it's just whether that, as you said before, is getting the coverage, of, you know, out of the UK. Um, it's difficult. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but you know, there's plenty of people that can, you know, even in in the UK and you know in in Europe that could come and could come and do it. But for some reason, they choose they choose not to. I don't know if it's the lack of an incentive to do. Um, you know, to, to do to do it in the top class, there's, there's incentives in the lower classes, but not in in you know in R5 if you like, which you know it, it's a struggle to accept that you know you've won the British Championship twice, but there's no le- there's no leg up available yeah. from from that championship. You know, it, it is a bit of, you know it is difficult to accept that, but then I don't know what the other options are. Do you, do you think? And I go. We, obviously, we had we had David Higgins with us last week, and we were talking about. What oh yeah, he, he nicked my uh, hashtag virtual mentor thing, didn't he? <laughs> I, think, he well, it, I think that was pointed out. <laughs> anyway, carry on. He mentioned we were talking about um, the um, you know manufactured supported drives that both him and Mark had around the world. You know, and and basically the the the, the thing that you know importers were you know obviously Subaru back in the day and different manufacturers. <laughs> We're, we're supporting drivers coming in, you know, somebody like yourself probably 20 years ago would have been picking up, you know, manufactured supported drives across the world. Yet, I kind of feel like R5 is both a blessing and a curse in some ways because I think the Super 2000 R5 almost, we kind of lost this importer in, input almost and, yeah. you know, career drivers. Yeah. Buy yeah. a car and run it type of yeah. thing. Yeah, and, and there's no, there's no, you know, the career driver now. It's, it's, you know, it's very difficult. You know, David used the point last week. You know, one day you can be getting paid to drive a car, and the next day you're paying to drive the car. Yet, you know, if you got sacked from Tesco's for stacking shelves, you wouldn't pay to go back and stack shelves the following day, which I thought was quite an interesting analogy, really, very, yeah. very yeah. apt. So, you know, I'd, I'd probably be better off now if I'd have carried on stacking shelves. <laughs> So, so from 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 your perspective, obviously, you know, we we all know what you know. We just mentioned Mark, of course, his older brother, and what David's done, and everything else. From your point point of view, now as a you know, as as a, a professional driver, uh, obviously, you've got you know, you've just mentioned the mentor inside as well. Is that is that the future for you? Obviously, you've got Rory Bell that's come through, who's done very very well. Yeah. You know, you, are, are you reaching out now? Is that is that is that where you see your perhaps your future line now? Is the, the mentor inside of the sport perhaps? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'll ever be out of a car doing something, whether it's regular or not. But, you know, at the end of the day, I've put 15 years of, you know, of work and effort into into the competing side. And, you know, at some point I've got to try and sort of make a living somehow that, you know, OK, I've made enough living, I can pay the bills. But, you know, the, the future is, is probably, you know, it starts now, really. I've got to start now in building and building a you know a, a sustainable lifestyle if you like yeah. but you know it's um i think that you know that's gone really well the last last three or four years and you know there's, there's a chance i'm going to be mentoring um some customers in the world championship and wrc2 cars and stuff so you know there's definitely work out there and and that's you know that's really important and that is thanks to what we've done in the brc there's no doubt about it you know it's raised the profile and you know I don't think there's many people that you know that drive current cars you know in in championships that also teach do you know what I mean there's, yeah. there's a lot of people you know there's, there's the Mark and David and Jeff Jones and 
Ryan Champion and these, you know, these people. But you know, that no disrespect to them, but they, you know, you know, they've done that sort of ten years ago, fifteen years ago. So it, I think it's a little bit of a niche for me that I'm still in a current car, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think that's what a lot of people uh, are latching onto, and you know, for M Sport to be sending me out doing work for them. You know, with with the new customers and new cars and that, I think you know it's very flattering that you get asked to do it. So we must be doing something right, and Absolutely. obviously doing the testing that we did. in we did a test in Spain for M Sport a couple of months ago, and you know it's you know it's an honour to be asked to go and do those things. So, what's the best way people can get into Kuji Mat? Um, Facebook or Facebook's probably the easiest way. Um, yeah, I mean, Matt Edwards on Facebook, and you know it's. it's I'm not difficult to get hold of. No. <laughs> I'm always about somewhere on a rally as well, you know, so... Uh, it's, Happy you know, just At the end of the day, my, my passion's still rallying and being around rallies, so I'm just fortunate that I can, you know, sustain a living out of, out of being there and, you know, might have to get a proper job one day, but I'm going to put that off. <laughs> <laughs> Don't grow up just yet. Don't grow up yet, just yet. Listen, mate, congratulations again. As I say, we should have had you on a lot sooner and uh, we'll uh, keep us in the loop and uh, good luck for your plans for 2020. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Tony. Happy days, folks. We'll be back after this break when we've got Adam Hall talking about uh, the Rally Insight yearbook, which looks mega, by the way. So uh, stay tuned for that. This is Absolute Rally. Ireland's leading commercial note supplier, Killian Duffy, has joined forces with 2016 British Rally Champion Craig Parry to form On The Pace Note UK. For more information, visit the website onthepacenote.co.uk. Welcome back to the final section of Absolute Rally. Uh, as I probably mentioned at the top of the podcast, we're going to have a week off after this week because one of our, I call him a presenter, he turns up every now and again, Ryan Champion, the legend that is, obviously is out in Africa at the moment. And the next episode after this one will be the ill-fated Christmas quiz for 2019. Um, enough about that. Um, I wanted to get this person on um, because I've seen some bits and pieces on social media and stuff like that. And I'm a bit old school. OK, um, I still like to have things that are tangible. I still struggle with reading things. And let's be honest with you, it's not great for you anyway, reading things on phones, on iPads and stuff like that. I still like to have a tangible book or a tangible magazine and everything else. And um, I suppose the the, the the best thing was is that we all love a rally book, because if you didn't, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. And there is a new rally book that is about to hit the shelves. And uh, I thought I'd get the man behind there on. Uh, Adam Hall, welcome to Absolute Rally for the first time. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for the intro. It's brilliant. Well, it, it, genuinely, it is brilliant to have you on because uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions which will sound very left field to begin with. How old are you, Adam? Uh, I'm 24. 24. You're a young man. You're yep. enough half my age. I'm not jealous. I promise. <laughs> um, so uh, you're, you're a 24-year-old man and your background, obviously, uh, I suppose tell our listeners, uh, very similar to, I suppose, how, how our own Jack starts a little bit. So you, you start off in the autosport writing academy is that right yeah yeah so um the guy who started that off matt beer um he sent sort of like a it basically it was a tweet back then uh just to say that he was looking for more people to join his academy so i thought hey why not so i went for it and was really surprised when they took him on because i'm actually uh well back then i was studying to be an engineer so um, it was completely um, different to what I had been doing, but uh, Matt was happy with my writing, so 
um, those guys, Jack included, um, trained them up. So yeah, sort of went from there. Um, but uh, this is this is the first serious thing I've done now. Well, you could argue that you always did serious stuff to begin with, but to 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 <laughs> to, 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 to go away and you know, it's, it's, I suppose that it's it, it you know, I, I I'm from an era, and you know, all joking aside, I'm from an era where we used to get yearbooks. You know, the Pirelli yearbook um, yeah. was was fantastic. Of course, you know, a gentleman who always contributes to our program, Martin Holmes, obviously was heavily involved in producing books like that. And and obviously they've gone by the wayside over the last few years, but you, you felt it was important to, to return to something that, to, to coin a phrase, goes on a coffee table. Yeah, exactly. So to be honest, at, at about three months ago, between me and my friends and uh, one of the guys contributed heavily, Kevin Glendinning, um, he's a photographer over here and he does a bit of writing too. So uh, sort of through the idea, I was like, thought about doing a yearbook or pulling some of the stories together so I guess just through chatting to drivers and people involved in the sport through the year um, always had always loads of ideas for stories um, previously I just put them up online so I thought why not put it into a yearbook so I think the key thing I went for is to basically cut out any crap if I can say that no you can say whatever you uh, like just it is literally text and really really good photos from guys all over the country uh, so that's what I've went for um, tried to keep it as simple as possible and share basically loads of good stories that's gone on in Ireland and there's a few few world rally stuff in there as well well I, I was supposed to say that I've, I've, I'm not I've, I'm not been fortunate enough to actually see a copy of the book what I have got though is the, uh, a, a screen grab of the contents and the contents as you say is is incredibly diverse um obviously the the the, the, the very first the very first section you get to is obviously Craig Breen coming home to to to, to capture the, the the Irish tarmac title was that kind of where yeah. it came from because obviously it was a bit of a story in itself wasn't it? the fact that you know a world rally um star albeit he wasn't quite regular but he was a world rally star coming back to do <laughs> The ITC, it was a big, big deal, wasn't it, at the time? Yeah, it was massive. And this, there's been so many big stories in Irish rallying this year. Um, Brain's, Brain's obviously the biggest one. And it's not only that he's came back and won, but in the story, uh, Craig talks about how just the feeling of being at home, staying competitive, doing really nice stages that he, he enjoys. Um, he said it, it got his enjoyment back for rallying after what was a tough end of the year before that so just hearing things like that um it goes to show you that you know Irish rallying's it's not just competitive but when you've it sort of transformed Craig's outlook on rallying and now looks like he's back with Hyundai in some form so um it's just it's really helped in his career that's what he described as a strange, strange point in his career to be coming back to Irish Tarmac, but it's, it's really worked out for him. No, absolutely, absolutely. We, we, we literally could go through every uh, every chapter in this, and I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I, we, we will never, ever do it justice, and it could probably be a podcast in its in its own right. But, you know, obviously you, you managed to get, again, you know, somebody I know is incredibly given as well. You've got Rich Milner, of course, the, the team principal from M-Sport. You've managed yeah. to do a piece, piece with him, and Rich is always, you know, fantastic value. And, and, you know, all the way through to, obviously, um, 
mentioning obviously Manus Kelly. Um, obviously, yeah. the sad side of, of you know incredibly sad really of what what went on earlier this year. But I wanted to ask you about chapter. If it, if it is a chapter, is it fifty seven? Yeah, page fifty seven. Page yep. fifty seven, rather. A tribute to my dad. Yeah, uh, so that was actually Johnny Mulholland wrote that for us. Um, so he's John Mulholland's son. Um, another really sad um, point in rallying this year in Ireland was the loss of John Mulholland. And it was someone I didn't know personally, but uh, he was really heavily involved with sponsorship. He was the title sponsorship sponsor for Ulster Rally for many years. And it was just... Just seemed to be a guy that loved rallying, and um, yeah, that was Kevin Glendinning thought that would be a really nice one to have in there. So, we asked Johnny some questions, and the the answers Johnny gave was oh, I was just a really nice read. So, um, it's just thrilled straight into a piece. So it's yeah. basically a tribute from Johnny to his dad. That's fantastic. It was, well, I, I, it's it's special. It's amazing that you you guys have obviously been in a position where you you can do that, and that's I suppose the 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 big thing about you know this is I assume I'm not I'm not I'm doing this justice by it. This is a self publication, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it hasn't yeah. been commissioned. You guys have come together to to produce. Um, I guess something that you'd want as well. That's that's the impression yeah, I'm getting. This is what if you weren't doing it, you wish somebody else was doing it, and because nobody else was doing it, you exactly, thought you'd do yeah. it. Yeah, um, it just. Even through the year, I was thinking if you were seeing so many good photos alone um, of the championship, just because there's there's so much going on um, in rallying over here, there's so many photos. It's like it would be great just to pull those together and put them in a book, just literally a coffee coffee table book that you'd flick through, and just to capture that. And then obviously with writing stuff as well, I've just sort of been able to tie the two together. So. Um, yeah, definitely. It's all self-publicated. Um, I'm going to send first order to the printers next week. All wow. doing well. So. How scary is that? How scary uh, is that? It's not. <laughs> it's not too bad. Actually, I've been. I've been really lucky with how many people that came forward already with orders. So. Wow. Um. Yeah, it was scarier. I would say about a month ago when a lot of the work was done. Um. But I hadn't really told too many people about it. Um. But yeah, I've been. Really, really lucky with the feedback I've got so far. So, uh, you, you talked about orders there. If you know, if people do want to order, I'm assuming that the, the shop door in inverted commas is open to, to to all and sundry, and you're prepared to send anywhere in the world. Yeah, so um, I guess with the benefit of doing it myself, uh, it's fairly flexible. So, um, really, the first the Christmas orders are closing next week. Um, so that that will be the first batch to get printed, and then um, I'm still antici- anticipating maybe a trickle uh, to follow through after that. So maybe another print on dispatch dispatch date in January sometime. Um, but yeah, I've been doing it, doing it pretty much myself with help with others. So just sort of been taking it as it comes, and it's really the content's been the important thing for me just to get something really early nice and something that I'm happy with um, and then whatever happens from that I'm happy. Do you know uh, and again we'll just just moving away slightly from the book for a second is it fair to say um, and again I'm very much an outsider looking in at Irish Rally and you know 
big yeah. big fan of it over the years. Does it feel like the kind of there's a there's a change in the guard now? Um, the, there's a lot of younger drivers now who seem to be in R5 cars yeah. and things like that. And look, obviously the R5 car is the the, the weapon of choice for, for the Irish Tarmac series. There seems to be, well, certainly you know a generation change, should we say? Yeah, definitely. Um, growing up for me, it was always the young the young guys coming through. Where Brain and Fisher were the two I probably would have followed when I was younger. Um, and they're, they are fairly well established now. Um, I think what will be interesting in the future is, well, Brain's deaf, well, pretty certain Brain won't be there next year. So Fisher, I'm guessing, will be the guy to beat. Um, he still hasn't won a Tarmac title, which is a wee bit crazy given how talented he is. Um, but you have, you have so many guys who have improved through the year. Um, Callum Devine this year has been one I've really enjoyed following. Um, just I think in his own personal development, um, this year's been been pretty special, and the pace he was coming up with towards the end of the season was remarkable. Um, obviously Donegal ended in a sad way, but uh, the first two days Callum was really really on fire. Um, so yeah, there's there's so many guys coming up through. There's guys in R twos as well who have been doing the British Championship. Uh, so be interesting to see if any of those ones can make a step into R five or do something else because the competition they have been having um in the junior British championships has been sensational as well. So yeah. there's there's so much happening that's uh it definitely has been a good year for rallying over here. That's brilliant. And obviously you set yourself up now for a for a for a massive load of work for next year because if this one sells well, I'm assuming that you're going to try and keep this thing going. Yeah, um, I'll see. <laughs> I'd love to do it again. I'd love to do it again next year. So fantastic. Uh, I think I think I've a full year to plan it this time rather than um, three months after summer. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully, be able to continue. And if people do want to buy it, what's the best way of of, of searching you out and, and finding a way? Obviously, we'll share anything about that we can. What's the best way of getting their hands on this? Yeah, so um, I have Facebook and Twitter pages under the name Rally Insight. So can go there or they can contact me directly on email, which is rallyinsight at google or at gmail.com. So that, those any any of those ways, just a direct message um, will work, and I'll sort you out from there. Happy days. Adam, we wish you the very best of luck with it. Folks, that is the end of this week's podcast. Uh, we do appreciate the download. Thank you so much. As I mentioned before, we are going to have a week-long break while we sort out the damn Christmas quiz. Um, we may even have a round from the guys at, uh, from, 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 from Adam here. You know, we'll, we'll try and convince him to do some Irish questions just to throw our panel of esteemed experts <coughs> in inverted commas uh, folks as I say we will be back same time in your same place in your little podcast hole not next week but the week after Absolute Rally powered by the Kielder Works team spread the word and download the podcast every week 